1: Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The
2: answers are here. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. Rob Black talking all things financial. Don't be shy with the phone calls, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. I've already given a little bit of a market recap in the first hour, and then we did get kind of into content with CFP, Chad Burton. I think the second hour of the show, I tend to stretch my legs a little bit and get into other types of content. For instance, tomorrow I'm going to be talking estate planning with Michelle Lerman. Friday I'm going to be doing a show on the NFL. It's right around the corner. There's a lot of money involved in sports but with local sports, national sports, collegiate sports. And I want to look at some of the money angles and some of the, the deals that are out there. And if it's a good idea to sign a number one draft pick or to trade them away, if it's a good idea to charge, you know, licensing for seats. These are just money angles that we can talk about, and I trust me, no one else can do a show like this. No one else has a show like this without a lot of editorial control. With that said... It is at its best and at its worst a call-in show. So pick up the phone and call 800-345-5639. And like I said in the first hour, the holiday break did the world a bit of good because every single market that I can find this morning is up. And that includes the U.S. markets. So traders came back, and a lot of us professionals thought that the traders were instantly going to take the market lower. Wrong. (laughs) They took the market higher. Now that doesn't mean we're going to stay there. Some of the headlines that scream out of the newspapers, gold over $1,000 an ounce, suggesting that investors are wary of the U.S. dollar's weakness, and they expect international interest rates to remain low for some time. we got a little bit of that G20 jabber-jabber, you know, 20 biggest countries get together and say, what are you going to do with your money? What are we going to do with our money? Do you see inflation? Do you see demand? Do you see, you know, uh, output growth? where are your commodities at? So they got together and they talked about all the important financial issues. And they basically said, we're going to keep interest rates low for a while. Keeping interest rates low stimulates economies. That's why the Federal Reserve has lowered interest rates to almost nothing. And when you stimulate economies, you basically stimulate commodities. The king of the commodities would be gold. In large part, it's a commodity. It's a metal that we all know. Palladium, we kind of know. Silver, we kind of know, but gold's one of the commodities that we know. When you stimulate things, you create inflation. Now, gold is a hedge against inflation because it's a hard asset. You have a brick of gold, and it's still a brick of gold in five years from now. If you have a dollar, it might be worth 85 cents a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. So a dollar is not necessarily a dollar because it's not going to buy you the same Pepsi-Cola. It's not going to buy you the same car. It's going to lose some of its value in the next few years. Gold's still a freaking brick of gold. Looks like we got a phone call coming in. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. So gold over $1,000 an ounce. Hmm. Oil above $71 a barrel on the weaker dollar. Now, oil is also a hard asset. It's a commodity. A barrel of oil is still going to be a barrel of oil in five years. So those who tell you to buy gold coins, they don't really know what they're doing. Kind of doing you a disservice versus a service. Now, let's take a look. Cadbury. Kraft is interested in in purchasing Cadbury, and Cadbury says, no, thank you. In the world of foods, you can't think of that many. Kraft is one of the biggest in the world. It's the biggest in the United States. Nestle, biggest in the world. Then you get the Cadbury and the Mars, and you start running out of names after that point. So there's about eight big energy companies. I'm sorry, food companies. I was looking at my next note. Um, there's a little bit of interest out there today that a lot of banks are undercapitalized. So says this G20 meeting, they want more capital pumped into them. Greenspan says basically the same thing this weekend. September ultimately has a history, and it's not the best history as far as stock markets concerned. Stock Traders' Almanac it informs us that it holds the distinction of being the worst month in the stock market for the year. So far this year, it's kind of lived up to its inauspicious history, down 2.2%. But again, today, strangely up. Hmm. I don't see a V-shaped recovery in our economy, i.e. we were growing from 2 to 4% GDP to negative. When we recover, I don't see a guaranteed 2 to 4 And the unemployment's going to be problematic, I think, for two years minimum from the state forward. Doesn't mean that it gets a lot worse, but it definitely doesn't mean that it gets back to healthy levels. And right now, we're at an unhealthy level. Now, I think the recovery trade on Wall Street's kind of played out. It's kind of that field of dreams, you know, if you build the case for recovery, it'll come. And a lot of people think recovery recovery's going to come. Catch is that people have to believe long enough beyond the periods of reasonable doubt that, ultimately, it will be good. Because right now, we're in a period of doubt. We're questioning earnings, we're questioning inflation, we're questioning, you know, demand, we're questioning, you know, why are interest rates so low if things are so good? Those are just some of those issues that are on my big plate, so to speak, and I do have a big plate. Um, Gold at a retail numbers today. Some retailers are doing okay, but Costco is doing particularly good. Costco is a wholesaler. They were upgraded today to overweight over at Morgan Stanley. The analyst said food deflation and other headwinds that have been pressuring the company are starting to dissipate. He sees the company's margins improving from recovering sales in non-food categories and regional improvement from California, which represents 30% of all the stores in Costco in this great nation of ours. 30% are right here in the Bay not in the Bay Area, but in California. So Costco gets an overweight today. Now, JP Morgan, they upgraded General Electric to overweight from neutral, the details of which are a little bit uh, cloudy at this point in time. I like General Electric, and here's my take on it. It's a fine company. It's pretty well run. It's a play on GDP at two to three to four percent. Right now, we're not there. Right now, it's the wrong time to own it. You Typically, sell it when you see a recession coming because it's a play on economic cycles. It's too big not to be. They've got too many divisions not to be. I I like GE at this point in time. If you think the economy is going to be improved in the next one, two, three, four, five years, I think you would own it. AIG gets a downgrade today. Some analysts are saying it should go back to $15 a share, which would be a disaster for shareholders. Just keep in mind, it did that reverse stock split when it was a $0.30 stock and it became a $20 stock because it did a reverse stock split. So I would not own AIG. As this analyst says today, they're down 7 plus percent. As this analyst said that the government owns too much of the company. And ultimately, that's going to be problematic for it. They're going to try to sell assets, but ultimately when they do, there's going to be very little value for shareholders left over. If you want to believe optimistically a best-case scenarios, I don't believe in that. To me, that's hope. Hope has two places. On the gridiron, the NFL. I hope the Giants, whoops, <laughs> I hope the Niners have a good season this year. And I hope the Raiders uh, are damn entertaining. Nothing more impressive than old senile owner. Uh, mismanaging the team basically down into mediocrity and below. Nothing funnier than Al Davis pulling out an overhead and, and writing why he fired someone on an overhead. That's good stuff. Let's go to Sunnyvale, Sam. Sam in Sunnyvale, 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air.
3: Hey, hey, hey Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have one question, actually. I stay in Sunnyvale. I got a house here, and I got another one in Mountain View, which I rented out. Uh, but looking at the economy, I was planning to like sell both of them and move to uh, Texas or something where it's more affordable. Uh, what do you think? Is, is it a good idea? Where
2: are you gonna to move to? Texas. Texas. Um, are you gonna have a job in Texas?
3: Uh, I'm a software engineer. The reason is like uh, my daughter goes to kindergarten now, and uh, I heard like the education system there is much better than here.
2: That's funny because a lot of people in California don't believe that any other state exists. So I'm surprised you're getting positive feedback on any other state. I agree with you, Sam. Um, If I didn't have a high-paying job, I'd leave the state of California. Californians is being left for high-paying jobs only. Um, it's, It's brutally expensive. We have incredibly high sales taxes. Now, as far as your two homes, give me a little bit more color on those. I understand why you want to leave. Um, lower cost to live in better schools. I agree with both of those. But tell me a little yeah. bit about your homes. How much do you pay? How much are they worth?
3: Uh, one of them is a townhouse, and I pay about like a 2100 one hundred on the mortgage.
2: Okay, and what does it rent for?
3: And It, it is a rent for about like 2500 but it has an association fee of like a $400.
2: Okay, so your break-even sell it. Next one, yeah. the next one, the house that you're in. Tell me a little bit about that.
3: Uh, it's about like three thousand one hundred. That's what I'm paying for it.
2: Okay. Uh,
3: the mortgage.
2: And that's about a two-bedroom, three-bedroom.
3: Uh it's a three-bedroom, uh, uh, two bath. Uh, it's a single-family house with a Good. big backyard and all that.
2: Nice. Um, and w- could you break even on that?
3: Uh yeah. Kind of like my wife's also works, so we both are like somehow managing the house. You know.
2: Um, other than your mortgages that you're paying right now, how much are you able to save a month?
3: Uh, we say about like uh, 1500
2: you know. 1500 Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Sam, if you're asking for my approval to sell these and go to Texas, um, and thanks for the call, I think Texas is as much upside as California has upside in the percentage of the home that you're going to be getting. If you move to Texas and if you get a job in Texas, that's a big F. I want you to get a job before you say you're going to move. But I'd sell the townhouse today. Wait, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I hate townhouses. I hate homeowners associations. I hate renters. Unless you have a situation where more than just the rent is being covered for your mortgage. Unless your are cash flow positive and it sounds like you're break even at best. I hate townhouses and condos. There's too many spaces on too little land. If you live in a townhouse and condo, I don't hate you. I hate the, the where you live. It's It's real estate gone bad. Ultimately... There's no real estate. There's just a place to live on top of somebody else or right next to somebody else. And, you know, I hearken back to my days when I lived in townhouse and condo. I hated it. You know, I had neighbors who were like the super serious, well, blah, 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 And you'd take out your bottles and recycling and they go, you got too many beer. Like, it was just too, and you park in someone else's space and homeowner's fees and, Let's say you've got a different religion than someone else, and you like to take your shoes off outside your house for religious beliefs, uh, and then the homeowners bark at you about that. Screw that. I hate homeowners. Get out of townhouses and condos. They're white trash investments. Everywhere else in the nation, they're white trash investments, except for luxury markets in California, on our coast, because of our jobs in San Francisco and uh, Los Angeles. Townhouses and condos are luxury investments. I hate them. Um, I think you have the right idea. I think you'll be able to save a heck of a lot more money in Texas. I think your quality of life will be not as the same, not the same, but I think you'll be able to save more and your child will go to a better school system. So you buy a house down in Texas and you buy a single family house, you're going to get a little bit more land. You get it in a good neighborhood, good school district. It'll hold value. And when the economy recovers, it will go up the same percentile as the California market. And some would even go far as to say the California market, a lot of our markets haven't even corrected yet. Um, some areas like San Carlos and Los Gatos, and I mean, I've seen prices drop in parts of Los Gatos down thirty, thirty-five percent. I've seen prices not nudge one one cent in Palo Alto. So we've had a little bit unevenness. I think California is pushing out the average person. I really, really think the average person can't save and live in the Bay Area. A little bit easier this year than three years ago, but it's still not good. Compared with the rest of the United States 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air It's 800-345-5639 It's Rob Black Show Coming up I'm going to talk a little tech I got tons of tech stories in the news today Tons of tech stories um, I like tech uh, My boss says talk more about what you like So the show's going to be all pornography and technology Maybe I'll fuse the two together No I'm not going to talk pornography But I am going to talk technology 800-345-5639 And I don't, well I kind of like porn uh, I'm not going to say anything been waiting I've been waiting for this moment all my life but it's not
1: quite right Rob Black is watching your wallet live and local call 1-800-345-KNEW
0: in life for free but you can give them to the birds and bees i want money it's
2: rob black show i'm rob black talking all things financial pretty cute story one of my bosses at television a guy named well i'm not going to say his name because this is actually not a good story a couple of years ago i was doing the tv show and i mentioned that i think condos are white trash investments Many, many, many years ago, I wrote a book that was so controversial. The publisher said, You have to change it. I had written a book basically called Susie Orman's The Devil and 100 Other Financial Things You Need to Know. And the publisher, 100 chapters, and they went through each and every one and said, You can't say that. And like even the title, Susie Orman is the Devil, I can't say it because I can't prove that she's the devil. So their lawyer said, You have to change the title to Susie Orman is like the devil. See? That's how lawyers work and books work. So I hated that whole process. I will never write another book in my life. It's not enough money for the amount of grief that you have to put up with. I think there should be a money to grief scenario factor for us in life because, you know, dating a beautiful woman, is not so good if she's got psychological issues where her daddy seduced her best friend and things like that. It's the, the money to grief issue way too high. Uh-uh, no thank you, um, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. So I get an email from... Oh, let me finish the story about my manager at Cron. So I, I get on air and someone says, I want to buy a condo, townhouse. I'm like, condos are white trash investments. Like I just said in the last segment, you don't own the land. You own one 64th of the land. If you look at the home, you know, like... A, for example, someone just buys a million dollar home. If you take a look at the, the, the details, it's $700,000 for the land and $300,000 for the home. In a condo, it's just $300,000 for the home. There ain't no land. So... That's not all that impressive. That's where it becomes problematic. There's no land. There's no land. That's where it becomes problematic. So I mentioned that on the air. Like, if you go to Iowa or if you go to Florida or if you go to parts of Virginia or parts of Massachusetts or New York, there's no shortage of land. Like, for instance, go to Tahoe this weekend. And as you're going through Sacramento, look left and right. There is no shortage. Sacramento real estate prices ain't coming back. There's too much, what what drove the prices higher and created too much speculation in townhouses and condos. Don't say ain't, because your mother might faint. (laughs) You remember that? But Sacramento real estate ain't coming back. It is not coming back. There's too much land. Now, how about Tahoe? Well, Tahoe is Tahoe. It's a lake. And there's only so much land around that lake. And it happens to be that whole blue thing. So it's tough to build there. Um, I'm over making my point. So I'm just going to shut up and change the topic. Let's talk um, some other financial stories that are out there today. Some analysts are warning on bank real estate loans. Morgan Stanley, they've issued a report today talking rising commercial real estate losses is a problem investors cannot ignore. So far, they expect that mid and large cap banks are 32 and 49 percent on their way through total commercial real estate losses. So big banks aren't even 50 percent through. Commercial real estate losses. They said that they're most concerned with retail and office, giving long lease terms, consumer deleveraging, and elevated unemployment, whereas hotel and multifamily tend to be earlier in the cycle but still a headwind. Now, so they're basically saying watch out for some banks that have too much commercial real estate exposure. How do you know how much commercial real estate exposure your bank has? You read the annual report. Okay? You read the annual report. Five more banks failed over the weekend. So far, 89 banks have failed through 2009. Of the five failures, two were in Illinois. Remember, as a kid, you'd say Illinois, and everyone would correct you. I want to bring back Illinois. Uh, One was in Arizona and Iowa and Missouri. So five banks failed over the weekend, 89 now in 2009. Most analysts are calling for about 300 to fail before it's all said and done. So there's going to be some more bad news coming down the road. Fed president, Federal Reserve president out of Kansas City, a guy named Thomas Honing. For the record, Kansas City barbecue is not that good. They keep talking about how great Kansas City barbecue is, and it's not that good. It's overrated. Overrated. Um, Anyway, Fed uh, Reserve president Thomas Honing out of Kansas City says, We're carrying more debt than we've carried in most of our history. And the pressure to keep rates low is only going to increase as the economy begins to recover. Again, he's coming out there and saying, we got to raise rates down the road. That's going to be a problem for our economy, but it's going to create crazy opportunities. We want the interest rates to go higher, but we don't want the interest rates to go higher. We're like, mm, so I can say this, we're like Whitney Houston on crack. The, the drug is great when you're doing it, but... Damn it. The hangover is awful. Right, Whitney? So. uh, We want low interest rates, but we don't want low interest rates. We actually want higher interest rates. We actually want interest rates around six, seven percent, not zero to one percent. Get a Bob in Santa Clara. Bob.
0: Hi, Rob. Uh, I apologize. I thought I heard you say several a couple of weeks ago that you did not like uh, buying Fannie Mae right now, and I didn't, but a friend of mine did, and I told him I don't think that's a good deal. Um, do you agree with that?
2: Yes, and here's why. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac are going to go to zero eventually. They're own, they owe the United States government too much money. Now, to a lesser extent, but still to a great extent, AIG. And then beyond that, to a lesser extent, much lesser extent, Citigroup. Those are the, what are called the four garbage financials. Now, can you own Fannie Mae? Yes. Can you make money in Fannie Mae? Yes. Does that mean you're smart? Not necessarily. At one point in time, the stock will be worth 0 cents. Could it rally on a short covering? Could it rally on, hey, we hear good housing numbers come out? There's a lot of things that can happen. But when we hit our financial crisis back in 2007, 2008, not that long ago, you can go look at the records, Fannie Mae had to be bailed out to the tunes of billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars over their current market cap of $1.8 billion. There's nothing they can do to make their shareholders whole again. Why is it publicly traded? I don't know. That's something that is a big flaw in the system with the, the NASD. It's a big problem in the system with the SEC that when a company shouldn't be publicly traded, they're still publicly traded. They're basically a zombie company from the United States government that, that shareholders, the public, shouldn't be allowed to purchase. But you can. And can you make money trading it? Yes. Is it ever going to um, earn billions of dollars and, and pay back uh, the government? No. So does that answer your question, Bob?
0: But what's going to happen to it? I'm, it's going to go sure to zero. Separate qu- So the people, I mean, so... But they're going to compa- no, be turned into a private
2: company. No, they're going to be turned into a private company. So, and at some point in time, they're talking about some different options on how Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac should work because right now they're underwriting too many guarantees. They're throwing out too many guarantees and whether or not they're going to be doing mortgage-backed securities or just mortgages um, themselves under 417000 are they going to do the jumbo mortgages... Um, We don't know what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going to look like five, ten years from now, but it will be slightly different than it currently is. You'll see the company taken private. Will it come public again? I don't know. Um, I would say there's a likelihood that they would. Can the stock go higher? Absolutely. Um, Should it go higher? No chance on the planet. But that's what we're dealing with.
0: So long term, it's a big zero.
2: Long term, it will go to zero, but short term, it could go to 20. It could yeah. go to five. It could go to seven. It, it, it's just, I don't play games like that because I base things on fundamentals or on technicals. And right now, there's, there's so few shares of the company out there that technically it can go higher. And I don't doubt that. But AIG is going to go to zero at some point in time and make me look like a genius in hindsight. But in the short term, it can go anywhere. But that's honestly like you go into Vegas and betting on black. Could land on black. So, but I'd be very cautious with that kind of uh, mentality. Thanks for the call, Bob, and thanks for um, keeping me honest. When I'm wrong, I have no problem admitting I'm wrong. And in this case, I'm right, but short term, I'm wrong. And I don't care with that because I'm telling you long term what's going to happen. 800 345 5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800 345 5639 to get your calls in the air. Coming up, I will talk some tech, I promise, because I got some um, good tech stories. Uh, And the next break, 800 345 5639.
1: 910-KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance.
2: This is Rob Black. Good, to Bob in San Francisco. Bob?
0: Thanks very much for taking my call. Hey, listen, uh, I have a question about Citigroup and Bank of America. Yes. The stock, right? Um, I heard your last comments about
2: AIG and Fannie and Freddie. Do you feel the same way about these guys? Not Bank of America, a little bit on Citigroup. Bank of America, I'm not going to say they're totally in the clear, but they don't have the government in their, their back anymore. They're no longer the government puppet. They're out of that. Now, Citigroup, they borrowed billions of dollars, and they're about 30% government-owned by the United States at this point in time. Um, that's a lot. And that has, when it gets repaid, it's going to be very, very damaging to shareholders. Would I own Citigroup? I would own Citigroup, but it would be the worst dog with fleas that I own. And what you don't want to do is own too many dogs with fleas because then you have a kennel. I think Citigroup comes out of this. I think um, the recent signs of of Paulson, John Paulson, he's been you know snapping up shares of Citigroup in the $4 to $5 range. But the government owns a 34% stake. And the one thing we know is the government, you don't screw the government. Whether... Um, you're an individual with the IRS. I mean, you can go into bankruptcy, and what you owe the IRS, you still owe the IRS. Right. Or you just don't do it. So they got a 34% stake. But Paulson believes Citigroup's assets are undervalued. Um, he thinks the book value should be around five to seven dollars a share versus the four to five that it's been trading in. Um, the company Citigroup faces another 44 billion dollars in loan losses over the next 18 months. Fundamentally, it's not strong. It's best at best break even. First half of 2010, they recently said, we're going to raise our shares to 60 billion authorized shares of cities common stake. So they're issuing more shares. They're not ruling out a reverse stock split in any way, shape or form. That might uh, do one of those financial engineering things for them. But there's a lot of garbage financial companies that are dead men walking. I wish Citigroup wasn't 34, 35, 36 percent owned by the United States government. But they are, and I just I have to be honest with people, Bob, and say that's a big freaking fracking problem. When all is said and done, you owe the government that money back, and the government will take the money back. They're not just going to turn their back and say, ah, all's forgiven. So there you go, and thanks for the call. Um, Would I buy Citigroup? Because I want to go on the record of saying this. I would buy Citigroup. Would I expect it to be golden and wonderful? No. I would not buy Fannie Mae. I would not buy Freddie Mac. I would not buy um, AIG. I would not buy MBIA. There's companies that I wouldn't buy. But 450 on Citigroup I'd buy, I, I expect to make no money until 2011, 2012, 2013, because that's when fundamentally it's going to start getting back on track. It's going to be incredibly dilutive to shareholders when they pay back the government. They have no dividend. There's not a lot of reasons to own them in the short term. I also would own Bank of America, though. I also would own Goldman Sachs. I've been on record telling you I own Goldman Sachs. I got no problem saying that. I doubled my money in Goldman Sachs in the last year. In large part, it's the best of the best. Would I own Morgan Stanley? I would. People are attracted to Citigroup because it's 471 They think for a $5 bill I can own a share of the company. Well, government owns a lot of shares of the company, too, because they had to be bailed out. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm sticking to it. Now, please, dear God, let me talk about tech stocks. I hate talking garbage stocks because I'll look bad no matter what happens. Short term, I already said Citigroup, nothing exciting. But could the stock go up tomorrow? Sure, it could. And I agree with uh, Paulson that I think it's it's probably the best of the distressed, the best of the distressed. Okay, let's talk some tech stocks. First. <laughs> this song as a kid and it truly meant everything to me i sang it it's very operatic i know you're just making up that word operatic yes it's very dramatic anyway this morning we learned that walt disney has reached a deal to acquire video game maker wide load games what does wide load make they're the creator of the halo science fiction franchise for microsoft's xbox why is why is disney buying them Clearly, Disney's not all about the movies going forward. Video games are huge going forward. Now, what's interesting to note about what Wide Load Games does is they tend to develop a property and then they outsource it to a developer so they don't take on a huge amount of risk. Um, Sarah Pien's original gaming company Bungie Software was bought uh, by Microsoft in 2000 and then they went on to launch the popular game Halo Combat Evolved which uh, was the launch title for Microsoft's Xbox console widespread uh, oversaw the development of Stubbs the zombie uh, rebel without a pulse hail to the chimp Texas Cheatham and Cyclomite so Disney trying to get into more you know interactive businesses and uh, online video games for sure going to be one of those. Other big tech stories of Note Day, Oppenheimer, they're a big research house. Big, 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 big. I like reading Oppenheimer research reports. They're saying this morning in a report that they're raising the handset shipment to $1.09 That's It's down about 11% year over year. We, we buy as a world over a billion cell phones a year. Now, they're basically upgrading bad numbers. Now, again, for 2009, they think it's going to be down 11% year over year, but for 2010, they think it's going to be up 12% from that level. So we're going to buy 1.23 billion cell phones uh, next year versus this year. Now, this is reflecting a stronger replacement rate. It's driving the consumer confidence, high-quality handsets, declining ASPs, average selling prices. Given the market improvements, they're bullish on the overall wireless group, but in particular, they like Qualcomm RF Micro Devices, Sawtec, and Brightpoint. They like 3G, and they like smartphones. They're a little bit mixed on Nokia. They think Research Emotion Motion has the best exposure to the smartphone market, And they see some share loss to Android, though, for Research in Motion, given that Google's Android's doing well. They like Motorola, but they don't understand why they like Motorola. They only like Motorola not from the fact that they're selling phones, but just internal management decisions happening over at Motorola. They didn't really comment on Apple, which was interesting to note. Now, Denmark, they come out this morning, and I know you're saying, I can't even find Denmark on the map. Well, they've got what's called the Strand Consult The Strand Consult reveals how the iPhone makes a loss for cell phone providers. Wait, wait, wait. Think about this for just a second. So a big court in Denmark is saying that we don't like Apple because the deals that they put the operators into tend to be money losers. AT&T has to subsidize Apple for every Apple that they sell. Apple's iPhone is not the profit-generating must-have gadget that some have assumed. It is, in fact, a worldwide loss looter, according to Denmark's Strand Consult. Now, in a research report called The Moment of Truth, A Portrait of the iPhone, the Strand Consult argues that the iPhone hype hides the heavy subsidies that operators have to pay Apple, coupled with the company's replacement cycle and the revenue share it demands in some markets. This means it is not the money spinner that many assume. Certainly in terms of actual sales, the iPhone is a small percentage of the global market. In the three months that ended in June, Apple sold about 5.2 million iPhones worldwide, compared with 268 million handsets sold worldwide. They said, quote, we have not found one operator which has created shareholder value with the iPhone. That's pretty interesting. So, whether you're Orange or AT&T and you sign these exclusivity things, some research is starting to say it may not be in your best interest to do this. Now, this time next year, I expect Apple to sell an iPhone through Verizon. I expect them to sell it through AT&T. I expect them to sell it through Metro PCS. Yeah, I expect them to sell it through Sprint. And I expect their market share to go up huge. I think they used the exclusivity deal to their advantage. And some nations want that exclusivity deal gone as it's anti-competitive. Now, elsewhere in the world of technology, Google today, they ultimately fired someone now, four years ago, I was doing this show and it was another iteration on another station, but I was doing a show just like this. I've been doing this for 15 years, almost 15 years, 14 years. But who wants to say 14 years? Just round up to 15, right? I think so. If I said I've been doing it for 14 years. You'd be like, well, that's stupid. Just wait another year and say 15. OK, so I've been doing the year show for 15 years. Now, four years ago, there was a, an executive out of Microsoft. He was known as like. Dr. China, he was known as he knows what China wants and China, likes him enough that Microsoft will succeed in China. So four years ago, he quits Microsoft. He goes to Google. Guess what happened today? His name's Dr. Kai-Fu Lee. Now, he got fired. Basically, he's leaving. So Google's struggling to get really any sort of traction going in China. Google is distant number two in China. Behind Baidu. If you want to be the Google of China, it's stickersome old B I D U. B-I-D-U. It's not Google. Great, Google it a room, Google it a. Google can't ramp up their business in China. They've tried, they're just not getting any sort of traction. Now, a lot of people think Google's a play against Microsoft, but let me give you the truth. Google's really a play against Apple. And after this break, I'm going to tell you how Google's a play against Apple. So I think it's an interesting blow by blow summary that I can ultimately give you. Don't forget I got some seminars coming up in Foster City and Pleasanton as well. You can look at those at robblack.com, it's robblack.com. But let's take a break here. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Google and Apple are going to war. I'll tell you about it coming off the break. <laughs>
1: Rob Black is watching your wallet, live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW.
2: Tomorrow I'm going to be talking with Michelle Lerman. She was voted number one attorney in J Magazine or J Poll. I'm not sure what the J Poll is. You know what one of my goals is, is, being voted number one talk show host? I will fix it. I will rig it. I just want to beat Ron Owens. Is that too much to ask for? I just want to beat Ron Owens once. Then I will quit. I'll go away. I will never, ever complain again. Just somehow, some way, some shape or form. Vote me the best radio show in the Bay Area. If you nominate me, I'll buy you dinner. If you vote for me, I'll I'll kiss your baby. Um, I will do anything I can. I just want that one award once in my life. Is that too much to ask? I think it might be. So Google and Apple... A lot of people think Google. Remember, Google was going to put well, let's you know, this is a little further on the tech talk thing. A lot of people once thought that Linux was going to put Microsoft out of business, and what Linux ultimately did was it hurt Sun Microsystems' Solaris operating system more than it hurt Microsoft. Now, a lot of people thought when Google came out that Google was going to put Microsoft out of business, and they've they've done some shots at Microsoft for sure. They got a new web browser out called Chrome, and that seems to go against Internet Explorer, right? Google's also, you know, got some businesses going against Microsoft. Like, you can get, you don't have to pay for Word anymore. Google's got a Word processing document program online. You don't have to just pay for Excel anymore. They got, a, uh, they got a Excel spreadsheet program similar, very similar, but it's not quite as robust as Microsoft. That's the rub, not quite as robust. But for you, the average Joe Mama, or the average Joe, you'd be more than fine with Google's Word document program. More than fine. But then you got to put your stuff online, and that kind of freaks you out. So Google's going to war with Apple. First, out of seven points, Android versus the iPhone. Smartphones. This could be the first turf war. Google's Android platform, it's one of the most threatening to Apple's iPhone. In part, it's got tons of software in it. In part, Google's decided to give it away for free to any mobile phone vendor who wants to use it. In a way, Google is organizing many, many, many gadget makers, HTC, Motorola, LG, Sony, Ericsson, and they're all going to try to battle against Apple. Not just one. It's not one phone versus the other. It's not the Android against the iPhone. Android's a lot smaller than the iPhone as far as operating systems goes, but many new models are going to start to launch over the next several months. It's Worthy of paying attention to. Battleground number two between Google and Apple is mobile applications. Google and Apple both want to convince developers to invest in their mobile platforms, which use different languages, and so far, incompatible. Apple's winning by far. Apple's spinning big buckaroos to make that applications well-known out there in commercial land. Now, Google's taken the approach of openness, though, allowing any application in their store, while Apple's been a little bit tighter on their platform. A little bit more like Microsoft, in fact. This has led to the recent direct conflict amongst companies. Apple has kept two Google applications off its iPhone, the Latitude Social Networking Service, and the Google Voice Phone Service. This has enforced a very embarrassing FCC investigation, a fiasco for Apple that likely added stress to the company's relationship. Battleground number three between Apple and Google is operating systems. Now, I love this stuff. I could talk Apple and Google with you at a bar tonight, all night long. That's why I'm talking about it here. The Chrome operating system versus OS X or Snow, Snow Leopard. OS X is Apple's most important asset, it's the software for Mac, for the iPhone, for the iPod Touch. It's Apple's three most important hardware products are all run by one simple operating system. And now Google's moving in to directly compete with OSX via Chrome, a lightweight operating system for web-focused computers. Initially, Chrome operating systems are going to power cheap netbooks. Apple doesn't currently offer these. But eventually, Chrome will power laptops and desktop computers, which compete directly with Apple Macs. Who would have thought Google and Apple would go war-to-war? Just a few short months ago... The CEO of Google was on Apple's board of directors. He's no dummy. Next big one is web browsers. Google's Chrome and Apple's Safari, they're both based on the same guts called WebKit. But most people only use one web browser at a time, and that means that Google's going to be directly competing with Apple, especially once Chrome is out for the Mac. Now, why does Apple care which web browser its customers pick? Because ultimately, you keep some control over the users. Apple gets some revenue from Google, of all places, when Safari users search with Google. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this, hey? Eh? Now, that's not going to happen when Mac users use Chrome. Oh, it's complicated, isn't it? Next up, movie rentals. Apple versus Google. Not, a Ma- not Apple against Microsoft. Not, not Google against Microsoft. It's Apple against Google. In movie rentals, YouTube versus iTunes, Google needs to figure out a way to make money off YouTube. It looks like maximizing professional content is the way to do it. Dogs on skateboards, not paying the bills at YouTube. Dogs on skateboards, cute. We all like dogs rolling around on their back. But not really paying for the rental service. So Google's now starting to set up a video rental site, which will compete with Apple's iTunes. Potential consequences, Apple may be willing to integrate YouTube into its products, such as Apple TV set-top box, iPhone and iPod Touch, and iMovie software. So Apple's going to say, we were willing to do that last year. We ain't willing to do it now. Number six in the battle between Apple and Google is office applications. Google Docs versus iWork. Most of us don't even know about iWork. Do you know about iWork? Nah, most people don't know about it. Google Docs, we've heard about. Google's web-based office application suite. It's mostly designed to disrupt Microsoft Office cash cow. But Apple has one of those office rivals, too. It's called iWork. It's got a little word process and a little spreadsheet, a little presentation software. Now, this business not crucial to Apple, but its software products are some of its most profitable per-dollar revenue sources. So it's certainly in no hurry to see their customers run away for free over to Google iDocs or Google Docs it gets confusing and finally the battle between Google and Apple heats up and shows some 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 snare over email Gmail versus Mobile Me once again a lot of people who aren't Apple users have no clue what Mobile Me is for 100 bucks a year Apple's Mobile Me offers email photo and web hosting space calendar syncing and more but Google's Gmail Google Calendar Picasso and other free products offer most of the same features for free And if Google's lucky, someone who heavily relies on Google services might consider buying a Google Android phone, which has better built-in support for Google Mail and Calendar services than an iPhone does. So it gets kind of sloppy, but they're going to war. And it's worthy of noting, because this was a cozy relationship that's now on a collision course. Anyway, let me talk a little bit briefly about computers and technology. I recently bought a netbook. It's that Asus H1005, $300, no tax via Amazon. Although with my tax filings coming up in April, I will report all online sales transactions and I will pay the taxes on it. <laughs> wink, wink, that's the law, right? That's the law. Anyway, um, I want less computing in my life. It's funny that they're saying kids don't use Twitter. And it's funny, as I get older, I want just more basic stripped-down versions. I don't need all the bells and whistles that I used to. I like bells and whistles. Speaking of which, um, I'm going to be doing two events coming up in Foster City and Sheraton Pleasanton in Pleasanton. I'm also going to do an event next month or the month after at a winery. I like getting out. I like meeting the peeps. You can learn more about them at robblack.com. robblack.com.